0: Well, hey there, welcome once again to Songs and Stories. I'm Michael Gaither, and this is Songs and Stories episode number 76. Well, like I said at the end of the last episode of Songs and Stories, I came into songwriting and playing really as a music fan first, being enamored and inspired by lots of different songwriters, and today's guest is no exception. Elon Jewell is a Boston-based songwriter who combines uh, kind of a Loretta Lynn quality of her voice with some great modern country songs. Real country, not the kind of stuff you hear on the radio, as we'll talk about in the interview, along with what I described as sort of a a subdued rockabilly band. Uh, She has a, a guy named Jerry Miller who plays the Dynamite electric lead guitar, stand-up, there's a stand-up bass, and a minimalist drum kit, and that's her complete sound. She plays acoustic rhythm guitar a lot as well with the band, and it, it's really a nice sound that combines kind of an old country sound with some 60s influences, and it, as most modern songwriters, she ends up with a sound that's totally unique using, you know, old styles of music like most of us try to do. I saw her last spring at the Strawberry Music Festival up in Yosemite, California, and she's been to Santa Cruz twice since then. In fact, they're based in Boston, but they've done complete two complete cross-country trips back here to the West Coast uh, really within the last six months. So they're hopefully building up a following. Uh, one quick aside before we get into the interview is I, I, I find this, I think, when you when you discover an artist, you get very protective of them sometimes. In fact, my wife and I we're watching Elon Gil play um, at the main stage of Strawberry, then play uh, the gospel set, because she has a side project called The Sacred Shakers, which you'll hear about in this interview, and she mentioned she was playing in Santa Cruz, and the venue she was playing at was a tiny little place, nice place, but small, and, and my wife Cindy said, she shouldn't play there. She should be playing the Rio or Don Quixote or someplace big. She's better than that. And uh, so it happens when you discover an artist you're really fond of, you really want to a lot of people to see them and to have them play big places, but hopefully Elon and her band will keep coming out here and build a following and play those bigger places that we think she should be playing in. Uh, before we talk to Elon, I want to remind you that if you're new to the podcast, Songs and Stories, there are links to go with this interview on my site, michaelgather.com It's dot rcom Look for you. Songs and Stories, episode number 76, and uh, you can find some links to go with Elon Jewell and some, there's some links to her tour dates and her CDs in fact her newest CD again is called Sea of Tears and you can get it on CD or on vinyl which I thought was very fitting for sort of a retro sounding artist in fact I love when artists release their latest records on records on vinyl I keep threatening to release my next project on 8-track tape, but nobody's really going for that idea, so I might have to pass on that. Anyway, let's hear a couple of things. Let's hear the title track, Sea of Tears, off her latest release. And then let's also hear 12 Gates to the City off the Sacred Shakers project. And then we'll talk with Elon Jewell in Santa Cruz. how Box. Yeah,
1: working out <laughs> okay, well, well, takes Nice to meet like you fine
0: yeah, We saw you um Strawberry this last year Oh yeah. And my wife and I actually had these, these these, We both had these horrible chess codes We made it out for three bands Michael Franti, um, Mike Ferris, and you, <laughs> you know, oh, good. We saw both sets All you guys did and um, just The thing I like about little fef- big festivals, too, is you, you, you know, quote-unquote, discover some artists you've never heard of before, and then you finally have a back catalog, and you just you become a fan, and you want to find out more about them, so, um, so you've been out to California a couple of times this year.
1: Yeah, um, because we were, yeah, last time we were here was for Strawberry. That mm-hmm. was in May,
2: Yeah.
1: and now here it is, August already, yeah. and we're back. We've crossed the Rockies yet again in that old van.
0: So you're playing along the way, or are you kind of popping out here, getting a van and playing the playing the coast? Or
1: oh, we we um we drive our van all over the place. Yeah. We don't rent. So we, we drove all the way across the country. We mm-hmm. had some shows on the way. Good. Um, quite a few in Colorado, and we're we're gonna head back east. We're gonna start working our way slowly back east. In I guess it's next week sometime. Mhm. Nice. Yeah. So how
0: long have you been in California this time?
1: Um, we actually just got here last night. Oh, okay. Yeah, we stayed the night in Sacramento, and this is our first California show nice. on this trip.
0: Fun. And you've been, you been—you were here on your last run, too, at the Crate Place. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, very fun. Well, I love the new CD, and i got to pick up the other ones. Um, I love the fact that it's sort of, it's old country, and you have that Loretta-, Loretta Lynn kind of quality in your voice, but there's also some, there's a nice little 60s nod to it as well. What do oh, you think I'm sure it's a laundry list. What are some of your influences?
1: Um, yeah, it is a laundry list. Let's which is, which it usually
0: is, but that's kind of fun. <laughs> How do they get to hear by, her, by listening to all these other people?
1: Yeah, um, well, I I started out listening to um, early rock and roll. Like, I, I really loved the oldies station mm-hmm. at the time. In the 80s, when I was a, when I was a kid, it was like, you know, Buddy Holly and... Elvis and mm-hmm. stuff. It wasn't any '80s music, of course, right, at the right. time, <laughs> which I'm always surprised now when I listen to the, an oldie station. It's like that's an oldie, I don't get it. Yeah. But um, so yeah, I, my first love was like anything that you'd find on the Stand By Me soundtrack. And right. You know, I was right. like seven or eight or something, and rocking out to that stuff. And and then um, junior high or so, I I discovered that I, I have a great love for Billie Holiday, which I mm-hmm. still definitely do. She's a, an influence for sure, and um, Bob Dylan, too, right around that yeah. time, I, I developed a love for him, and then in college, um, I, I discovered that I really like uh, country music, but growing up in Idaho, I, I thought I didn't like it, because uh-huh. I just heard the stuff that was kind of blasting out of pickup trucks with gun racks. The 80s
0: country.
1: 80s country, yeah, yeah so... <laughs> So when someone shows me, to me doesn't
0: seem like country, even I, I don't, I, I go back. I to don't really stuff, hear so. it. Yeah, yeah. It,
1: to me it sounds like um, mainstream pop with like mm-hmm. maybe a, a slight twang.
0: A lot of it to me, I don't have any country listeners, so but to me a lot of those songs, you know, this is really cynical. But you know, it's my show. Um, a lot of it sounds like a bunch of marketing folks sat around a, around a table and go, okay, we have to mention church, we have to mention, you know, the state, the, the things that they they bring up as rhymes in these. Contemporary quote-unquote country songs just sound real formulaic.
1: Yeah, it it's also it is formulaic, and yeah. it's it's very um, it's very homogenized yeah. to me. It's I I feel like the only way that I can tell if it's a country song is if I'm looking at the band and one person has a cowboy Big hat, hat on. on. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one of them won't. Maybe none of them will have that, and they'll, just one will have like a a pair of boots or something. Right. But also, I mean, that's an identifier, and then there's also the the themes that they sing about are mm-hmm. yeah patriotism over and over and over. Yeah. how good mama was to you right and, which I I appreciate mama songs like coming from Hank Williams sure but
0: <laughs> the contemporary ones though yeah
1: they it just it's it's just been done yeah too much
0: yeah or say it I mean the old the old cliche about everything's already been said but say it a different way or
1: yeah, yeah. say it in a, a way that's not that. That's actually country, that, that right, defines right. you, that it's not just mainstream pop.
0: Yeah. You we, we look at like a moral song like Mama Tried, that's a mama song. And that's mm-hmm. a, a, I think, you know, in my case, my parents listened to sort of the Charlie Pride era. So growing up, oh, I, like the, that stuff. D- I didn't really gravitate to it because I was growing up like in the punk in the 70s, like mm-hmm. a generation ahead of you. But then as I, start, as I started writing songs, and maybe this is common for a lot of people, I went back and sort "Quote unquote," discovered all these old country artists, and they're great songwriting lessons too, Mm -hmm. and they're great stories. And there's a lot of truth in what they said. So definitely, yeah. And then I think for a lot of people now, folk Americana and kind of what you do—that's country music too. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I think it's much closer to country music than actual country music. Americana is sort of what. I th- I feel like it's picking up where con- modern country left off. I think
0: so. I think you're right. Whether they call it, whether they label it folk, roots, Americana, it's the same kind of song structures mm-hmm. you know, and the same kind of themes. In yeah. Races. So when did you start playing or writing? And when did that come along?
1: I, s- I started playing the piano at age seven mm-hmm. because I wanted to be like Beethoven, and um, I. Did that for a while. I took lessons. And I was I was very into it. I didn't like performing though. I was mm, I was really okay. shy. I had to do these recitals that mm-hmm. was uh, that was really scary for me. And, Ticking uh, and screaming. Yeah, I dreaded it all year mm-hmm. round. My favorite day of the year was like the 15 minutes right after the recital. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah. So like
1: the I don't know the latter half of the day of the recital because then it meant there were 364 more days. You had to,
0: to endure it again. hmm okay.
1: But. So I never really thought I'd be a performer, but right. I sort of fell into it. Um, when I was 15, I, I got interested in the guitar, mm-hmm. and mainly because I started listening to Bob Dylan and um, the Mamas and the Papas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, well,
0: and it sounds like it was a nice mix of old country, old rock and roll, and then the '60s—you know, the Kinks and the Animals and mm-hmm. the, the Zombies. I think you covered that on your new so a lot of that. Yeah,
1: um, yeah, yeah. I I started. I got into the guitar and then started singing, you know, mm-hmm. to, along with that. And um, mm-hmm. later on, I went to college, and that's kind of when I started to mm-hmm. get into performing, kind of against my own better judgment and against my will. But it's it just is what happened. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So um, here I am.
0: And when did when did when did um, writing come along? When did you start doing your own thing? Oh,
1: that was um, that was. At some point in college, I'd always loved ri- writing, and mm-hmm. I, I've always thought of myself as being, you know, at least really interested in writing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Even when I was a kid, I was always, you know, writing some kind of story, or mm-hmm. I, I wrote these plays, and I made my friends act in them and everything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Speaking um, of kicking and screaming.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they were they were cooperative, but... um, So, yeah, they w- but it wasn't until college that I wrote something that I actually... Um, felt good about, mm-hmm. and um, I think that one of the first ones might have been Nowhere in No Time, which is on this record. Yeah, we yeah. We re-recorded that, and... You
0: re- were you playing it sound soundcheck? No. I was playing in the car, I think. Never mind. <laughs> I was playing the CD <laughs> on the way
1: over. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but, uh, you know, it started out as a kid. It was stuff about, like, I don't know, the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus and everything, mm-hmm. and it just kind of evolved over the right. years, and... <laughs> Things have changed slightly.
0: Yeah, yeah. You start thinking about things besides the Easter Bunny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess with this new release, what are you still learning by the third CD? What's what's different about this new project? This came out in April, I believe.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, this one, w- I've learned on this one to at least um, this. I tried a lot harder on this one to kind of listen to my inner. I don't know. I, I want to say inner critic or something, uh-huh. but I, I have a, a tendency to kind of not want to rock the boat and just sort of, you know, take the uh, path of least resistance uh-huh. with everything.
0: So kind of like t- what you've been doing before, or...?
1: Um, I mean, like, in terms of the recording process, okay. and um, I, I feel like if something bugs me about a song... I'll ask people, you know, do you hear this thing mm-hmm. that I think is a flaw? And they'll say, oh no, no, it's fine. And and then I'll say, oh okay, well if you think it's fine, then it's okay. But then you know, looking back on it, I think, well, I should I should feel happy about you know the song when it goes out there. And I, and I do like mm-hmm. for the most part, people have, are kind of right about you know, mm-hmm. oh you're you're making too much of that or or whatever. But on this record, I tried harder to just to fine tune everything. Mm-hmm. To the point where, um, it might have seemed a little perfectionistic to others, but it, it I got what I wanted out of it, you know. And, and was I, did, it, was, I it, was
0: it kind of like, these are my songs that to sound just like this kind of kind of mode.
1: Yeah, well, it yeah. kind of had to do more with the performance, like yeah. oh, I know I can sing that line better, or I can oh, pronounce okay. that word better, or, you know, and and you can only I mean it's a fine line because y- you do yeah. that too much and then. You're you can
0: overfix things, and yeah, and then or
1: you or take the life out of it, right?
0: But so it, it is a balance, yeah.
1: Yeah, and because we produce our own records, we have to figure out what that fine line is, uh-huh. and, and and that's been—I mean, I never went to school for this or anything, right. and none of us did. We're we're all kind of just figuring out how uh-huh. to produce this stuff on the fly, and um, I I enjoy it though. Uh-huh. It's, I think it's working out, and um,
0: it seems to be. The thing I like is. Um, looking over your discography is it you've had the same band on all three records mm-hmm. I think yeah. and this new this new record which is the only one I've heard sounds very much like just the band there's yeah. not a lot of anything else added I think that really it, it, the songs i hate the word cohesive but they really just it's a really nice block of song because they all seem to fit together
1: cool thank you, know, you. yeah we, that was a conscious choice we we toyed with the idea of Having guest musicians mm-hmm. again, which we've done on our previous right. two records, we've had guest musicians. Last one, "Letters from Sinners and Strangers," we mm-hmm. had um, a horn player and a fiddle player. Yeah. And but this time, it, you know, we're we're so in the touring mode. We are mm-hmm. a touring band. Yeah. We're really tight, and you know, and tight as people, as humans, mm-hmm. and and we've kind of just become such a family that we thought well why not present where we are right now this is definitely where we're at right now
0: yeah i think for number three it's a good thing to do yeah three is a good number and it's kind of like i've done a couple of these i've learned this Mm -hmm. is kind of where we're at right now
1: yeah Mm -hmm. i mostly have the band to thank for that because they were they were really advocating that and i wasn't so sure at first but they they talked me into it Mm -hmm. and, and it kind of meant that Instead of having guest musicians, we sort of were our own guest musicians. Like I <laughs> mm-hmm. I played the organ on a mm-hmm. few tracks, which is something that, you know, if we wanted the organ maybe initially we would have said, "Oh, let's get someone else to do it." Yeah. But I'd never played the organ before, but I, you know, coming from mm-hmm. a piano background, I, I decided I'd wing it and, and it was just so much fun and I'm, I'm glad we did it that way and
0: It was probably kind of maybe it was framed because it was something different you don't usually do. Mhm. Yeah. Maybe. It worked. <laughs> um, really quick, too. I you have to get back to your salad before it gets cold. Um, talk about the Sacred Shakers a little bit. There's a great story. A friend of mine, Karen, actually, we're going to Sacramento for her birthday party um, this Saturday. I'm playing tomorrow night. And they're right up there. And um, they come to Strawberry, and they were there. And she, she and I, she goes back to... Connecticut, Mm -hmm. and takes care of her her mom for a month, then comes back, and then her her husband have a month together, so she's actually doing this bi-coastal thing to take care of her parents. And um, so we're always trading music ideas. She goes, oh, there's this band, they're playing on, what's the station back east? But she was raving about the Sacred Shakers. She was just raving, and she goes, you'll love this band, it's kind of like what you do, what you like, it's folk, it's Americana, but it's a Mm -hmm. gospel band but it's not a Christian band. It's just this great, these great songs. and So she was raving about the Sacred Shakers all weekend, and oh. then we go saw your main stage set, and you start talking about the Sacred Shakers. Uh, you
1: know,
0: and that kind of stuff <laughs> just <funny>. happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: that's really funny.
0: So talk a little bit about the Sacred Shakers.
1: All right, well, um, the, the Sacred Shakers is uh, kind of a gospel... I don't know, we we like to call it a super group and it's it's the four of us in Mm -hmm. in my band, plus four musician friends of ours Mm -hmm. and there's five different singers and we all take turns leading songs there's lots of harmonies and um, we have the uh, Dan Keller who's on our previous two records Mm -hmm. playing fiddle and got a banjo player and um, it's fun, it's like it's all kind of in this rockabilly country-ish, bluegrass uh, folk kind of way and um, and
0: it works as a gospel record, but it's it's kind of, a, yeah, it's, it's just a, a great bunch of songs and a great bunch of people playing on it.
1: Thank you. Yeah, we, we have a lot of fun with that, and um, we kind of felt like there's so many gospel songs that we love right. that people are kind of, I don't know, I feel like they're trying to make them into, I don't know, it's sort of a similar complaint about, you know, modern country music. Yeah. Yeah. It sort of takes—I don't know—I I don't hear a whole lot of soul in most modern gospel music, and right. I change the channel immediately. But right. we—we kind of love this—you know—early stuff. It's kind of raw and a little weird and off. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the vocals aren't perfect and stuff. And but to us, that there's something kind of soulful about that. And so we wanted to kind of put that on a record. And we had been doing the Sacred Shakers. we we'd been going on for um, a couple years. Live every Sunday, we did a, a country gospel brunch, mm-hmm. and that had to break up when we started going on the tour on oh. tour a lot. And so um, Jason, the drummer, he was kind of the it was his brainchild, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted to memorialize that that weekly, you know, country gospel brunch thing, mm-hmm. and and um, at least
0: document it once.
1: Yeah, and. And it kind of we we thought it was like well this is the band that was you know mm-hmm. and, but by recording it it kind of breathed new life into sure. it, and it it was our label signature sounds that wanted yeah. to release it they heard us play kind of uh-huh. randomly and said well if you if you ever want to make a record let me know and we were like oh yeah. no we're n- we don't really right. play anymore but I'm yeah. glad we did because now it's we we play more because of it
0: so do you go back and revisit the group and get together for certain shows
1: yeah we kind of yeah. took. Um,
0: Wait. It's probably kind of fun to go back and have a sort of a, that kind of side project we were talking, I think, before the interview about, okay, where's the money box? Okay, we just got into town. Oh, this probably where you're not the band leader on, on a project where you can just go with a bunch of people and do something. It's mm-hmm. probably a little, I don't know, liberating is the right word, but it's probably fun to have just a fun side project with a bunch of friends to go and do it something where it's fun. not just all you.
1: Yeah, it's really fun. It, I, it's hard for me to step outside of the band leader role, yeah. though, so I'm, I'm always still trying to um, kind of, I, I don't know, I think in my... If I were had to be some animal or something, <laughs> if I have a totem animal, right. it's the uh, it's the sheepdog because I'm always trying to herd uh-huh. people and like make sure everyone's okay. And yeah. It really comes out with uh, I realize it when I'm supposed to step out of that role how natural that role is for old me. Old habits.
0: You, you can't let go of those old <laughs> habits. You're, cause you're, well, I think part of it is, and I've heard people talk about this with what I do, is like, you just want to make sure things get done right. And mm-hmm. if you're in the habit of doing that, you, don't, you, you can't kind of throw up your arms and go, okay, whatever.
1: Someone else do the set list, yeah, and then it just won't get done.
0: Right, right. <laughs> or you okay. won't be
1: quite happy
0: with it. Yeah, <laughs>
1: you
0: know, this song's out of sequence. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, good. So you think you might record another Shakers album, or time Hotel? Yeah. tell. Yeah. I
1: think we will because when we when we recorded this one, we just it, we essentially recorded all the songs that we knew as a uh-huh. group, and there were way too many to fit on one record.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it'll be pretty easy going to Good. to make a new one.
0: My friend Karen will be very happy.
1: Okay. <laughs> let, her know. <laughs> let her know. We're already halfway there. I'll let her know. Season. I'll
0: let her know Saturday. Okay. Great. Well, thanks for your time. Thank Enjoy you. Enjoy California.
1: Thank you very
0: much. to salad. <laughs> I think sometimes I'm my own worst enemy. I'm always bragging about these little interviews how we we do them on site half the time and we get nice background ambient noises and sounds and Sometimes that works if you're in a meadow or you're around music. Sometimes you're upstairs at a restaurant with the air conditioning blasting behind you and it happens to be the quietest place in the restaurant. That was the case here. So I tried to minimize the humming of that air conditioning, but uh, I think that the chat with Elan was, was worth it. I hope you did too. So that was Elon Jewell talking about uh, really a lot of things, influences and learning how to be a performer a long time ago and Touring with a band in a van, cross country, back and forth across the Rockies, um, and learning how to record as a unit. And I think what kind of makes her sound, her s- music sounds so cohesive, besides being a great songwriter and a great singer, is she uses the same band and they've always been together on every project. And I think that really shows when they're playing and they're performing and what you hear on record. Uh, again, her latest release is Sea of Tears. You can find her at elanjewel.com You can also find her on my site, michaelgather.com Look for Songs of Stories 76, and there's links to all of her stuff. Also, again, The Sacred Shakers is sort of side project with some other people back in Boston. Uh, the first CD, The Sacred Shakers, is out, and it's a wonderful listen, as well as all of her music. And they're working on another volume. So check that out. I think what I'll do here is, um, again... Thank you for listening. I'll let you know on the next episode of Songs and Stories, we'll be talking to a Bay Area based songwriter who I first met up in Humboldt, Lila Nelson. That'll be up in a couple of weeks. So keep an eye out for that. If you want to find out what's coming up on Songs and Stories or find out where I'm playing, you can send me an email, michael at michaelgather.com and I'll put you on the mailing list, let you know what's going on with the podcast and my playing and all that kind of stuff. I want to thank Elon Jill again for uh, giving me the time because they were like really just arrived into town, had time to eat, scarf down a salad, and go get on stage and do a sound check. So it was great being able to talk to her while she was out here. I'm going to close instead of. Um ending with my usual bouncy theme music, go back to the Sacred Shakers. Here's a, a Hank Williams song they cover that Elan sings the lead vocal on. Here's a bit of Ready to Go Home, again, off the Sacred Shakers. Again, this has been the interview with Elon Jewell on Songs of Stories. Thanks for your time. Take care.